<laughs> Hello. Welcome to the Wisteria Lane Poker Club. Grab yourself a glass of wine or a nice cocktail and let's deep dive into the neighborhood gossip. We'll be your hosts, Mary Wisforden, and with me is my beautiful co-host, Brett McCrindle. Brett, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing so good. I'm still buzzing off of the, la- the last and first episode. I can't believe it. Of Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. So basically, you guys, the Wisteria Lane Poker Club is a deep dive on all things Desperate Housewives. Join us while we rewatch this iconic American setcom set in the idyllic suburban dreamscape of Wisteria Lane in the town of Fairview. Now, this show is from 20 years ago, and it is absolutely jam-packed with hijinks, mystery, murder, and its fair share of scandal. This is a not-to-miss show, but if for some reason you have missed it, well, our podcast is going to be perfect for you. As we rewatch the seasons, we'll be breaking down episodes, talking about how fashion, politics, and even story lines would change if set in the 2024 landscape. Now, I've been a massive fan of Desperate Housewives for the 20 years that it's been on, meaning that I have been watching this show since I was like 11 or 12, which may explain a lot about me. Uh, Brett, when did you get into Desperate Housewives? Pretty early on in its, I want to say, airing. I did not, Mm -hmm. I was not on board right off the bat. I think I got dragged into it by a partner at the time. (laughs) But, you know, I'm better for it. I think so. I think we're all better for having this show on the air. It, uh, I think, got us all into getting into, like, the the real housewives. You know, the desperate housewives got us into the real housewives of Bravo. Yeah, because these housewives, they're not quite real. They're, like, pretty outlandish. That's true. I've gone back to it over the years, time and time again, you yeah. know, since that first watching, probably in, like, 2007. I've since watched the entire series. Probably two or three times. I it's definitely my comfort show, so I think I've watched uh, at least one season once a year uh, since it came out, just because it's so available on streaming sites and stuff. Yeah. So I I'm ready. I'm ready to debrief this show because I've been wanting to talk about it for twenty years. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, the main characters of the TV show would be Susan Meyer, a divorced mom, children's book illustrator, and her daughter is Julie. Now, I would say their relationship is complicated and Julie is overparentified. It's kind of fun, too. They have the most it's fun. Yeah. Between all the parent child dynamics, Susan and Julie, they they like to have fun. They do. Uh, I see them more as roommates than um, parent and child, though. Yeah, which leads us to its own problems. Does, yeah. Uh, Then we have Bree, whose husband is Rex. She's a housewife with, I would say, OCD tendencies, emotional repression, and her kids are Andrew and Danielle, who are their own special fun. Yeah, I always loved Andrew and Danielle. Yeah. No, Andrew is one of my favorite characters uh, just because I feel like he's a very accurate representation of how a teen would be with a mom like Brie. Yes. Yeah, because like the only way like they they have to rebel. I Like they have to. There's no other no other way to handle that situation. And he like clocks her immediately and is like, I see you for what you are. Yeah. You're all about perfection. We need to be progress over perfection. Yeah, why can't we just be a normal family? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
which goes into like her emotional repression I think like she has to control everything and the best way to control it is to make sure your house is clean and you know what's for dinner Brie would hate my house she would hate it (laughs) Uh, then we have Gabby and Carlos Solis not getting too much into it I would consider Gabrielle a local predator yeah no spoilers (laughs) yeah (laughs) No spoilers yet, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> she's she's going to get into it. Uh, we've got Lynette and Tom Scavo. She's frustrated. She's got too many children to name, but her husband is kind of hot. He's kind of given, you know what I mean? Tom is a, he's a zaddy for sure. He is. Yeah, yeah. Of all the dads on the show, Tom is the one that I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, maybe not so much in this uh, this first episode. He is not cool. No, he's a, a neglectful dad. Yeah, the and, introduction and husband. to Tom is not a favorable one. Unless, no. I don't know, unless you like a bad boy, uh, neglectful father. Unless you like a man who doesn't reply to your phone calls and then just shows up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have my personal favorite character, Edie. Uh, I... I've described her as a sexually empowered divorcee and highly successful realtor, the real star of the show. I'm. It's not hard to, to, to buy that. I'm on board. They downplay her a lot. And again, that's because 20 years ago, uh, slut shaming was super fun. But in the 2024 landscape, I would consider Edie a very empowered woman. Yeah. Because she's never... She's never embarrassed by, like, when people are like, oh, you sleep around, you do this. And she's like, and? You know, she's never embarrassed by what she does. And I'm proud of her for that. Yeah, she has this, like, you wish you could attitude. Yeah. And not necessarily that they wish they could be promiscuous, you know, and and whatever. But they wish they were that free to be themselves. Yeah, I think she really represents, like the the freedom that the the american dream uh doesn't allow you know like the american dream in at least this show is like white picket fence husband wife 2.5 kids and then Edie's over there being like i'm single i own my own house you know i'm free i'm really gonna keep my eye on interactions between brie and Edie because they seem like very opposite they're total opposites yeah yeah i'm excited for more of the recurring characters and i'm excited to uh remember because i haven't watched the first season in a long time i usually start halfway through when i rewatch it okay so this is going to be my first rewatch of season (laughs) one uh in a long time so i'm excited to see how the characters grow and develop as opposed to just what i remember (laughs) <laughs> can we talk about one of these le- background characters who's like weirdly so central to the plot <laughs> miss huber i know oh my god the most nosiest neighbor in the world uh also a little bit of a thief i'm into it you know yeah if I lived in like a little cul-de-sac neighborhood or whatever that was that close i would strive to be the mrs huber Okay. I don't know if I would, to be honest. (laughs) I'm really nosy. I'm really nosy. She weirdly still gets along with everybody, though, but... People still, like, they they still lend her things. 
plus six months ago they did. Maybe they stopped. Six months ago. Yeah. That's true. All right, let's get into this episode. What are your first thoughts on the first scene? This episode, they called it Mary Alice and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> I felt the same way. I described it as, uh, where did it go? It's right here. Uh, local bland housewife, Mary Alice, shoots herself. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, an iconic opening like scene. The punchline of, you know, that blender. That is mm-hmm. chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I the first thing I wrote down was this neighborhood is big on pastels. It reminds me of the Edward Scissorhands suburbia. Like the, all, all of the houses are like bright pink and blue, like Easter eggs. I haven't seen Edward Scissorhands <laughs> recent enough. I'm like, I don't, I feel like that's Tim Burton. So it's not, it's not going to be cheerful. No. No, oh. but that is like that's the 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 houses, and it's called suburbia, which is funny. I also found the music kind of sounded like The Sims. There was a um, a song that I really like in there. A Mazzy Star song was like in the faintest background of like a a flashback to when Mary Alice was notice. alive. I didn't notice that. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so it's introducing the young family, basically Mary Alice, where she gives us a little narration of her really super boring day, where she got the mail and painted a chair, uh, and then didn't even try to talk to anyone. It's not like it's the apocalypse. Bang, shoots herself right in the head in the middle of the morning. Yeah. Insanity. In What a way to start a TV show. Dining room, I think. In the, uh, yeah, I think so. The dining room or the living room or one of those rooms that's like both of them somehow. Or like a transition space. Yeah. Or it became a transition space. It's, it's it. The transition to the other side. Uh, yeah. The cutaway for that when she shot herself in the head and then it like just goes to Mrs. Huber like what? Eating jam off of the counter. Oh my God. Yes. It was beautiful. The beautiful cutaway scene. I was like, that is perfect. That is a testament to how clean the counters are in suburbia, though. I think that's what oh, I would we never do to. that. No. Yeah. I would never lick something off of my counter. That sounds disgusting. Plus, I have a cat and I just know his <laughs> butthole has been on my <laughs> more than more than one time. And this is, of course, where Mrs. Huber uh, discovers mary alice's body calls the police and then goes oh hey that blender i borrowed i can just keep it now tomorrow morning i'm gonna have a smoothie for breakfast tomorrow morning i'm gonna have a guilt-free smoothie <laughs> yeah. uh and i doubt that paula young is gonna notice a missing blender now that his wife is dead she's taking an opportunity she's taking a good opportunity yeah i think Then we have the funeral where we're starting to meet all of the other housewives. We meet Lynette, where she is resentful of being a mother, has too many children. Uh, She also uses a tactic that I myself use. My daughter also thinks that I have Santa Claus's phone number. 
I knew that that was some classic parenting happening. It's it's a good parenting. That's a good parent. I only ever use it close to Christmas though, and only ever to like text her Christmas list because I don't want to go to the. I don't want to go to the post office. You don't want to get stamped. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's that's my parenting. I'll just text Santa your list. We live in 2024. Yeah. Santa has a cell phone. He he can get his list. It's he fine. can access the cloud. Yeah, I think so. What do you think of Lynette's introduction and her kids? I think it was a hit job of an introduction. <laughs> It made her look overextended and maybe she is, but they really seem to like want to portray her as, I don't know, a woman at on the edge. Yeah. And yeah. out of, and out of control specifically when it's like, I know Lynette can be in control. Well, cause she comes from such a corporate background. Yeah. So like it was clear that like her career was very important to her and then she got pregnant and her husband was like, you know what? My career is more important. You should just stay home. Uh, and I think and she's very resentful of that, of to her kids and to her husband. Did they get into what either of them like did specifically? Like what does Tom do that's so important they're both in advertising oh brother they they both do the same job that's how they met oh man office romance yeah yikes which is like embarrassing i don't know um <laughs> but yeah i feel like she's very resentful of her children and they they really brought that out but i also like one thing i liked about lynette uh this episode especially is she was like malleable also like she got she hey she heard this idea she's like yeah yeah you know what i am accepting feedback i will take this idea and run with it <laughs> which idea was that was that when she found her kids in the pool yeah yeah i thought that was so like that would be embarrassing i would move it's like a funeral all of my kids brought swimsuits underneath their funeral clothes got in the pool i would move i would no longer live on wisteria lane if you got in the pool no if my kids got in the pool and i had to like get in there and fish them out i wouldn't i would move okay yeah yeah i can't no i can't i can't know i can't really yeah. speak to it because i don't have children but i i also think that like hey that's what kids are gonna do yeah i guess and also she knew that her kids because they it even mentions like the kids said can we go in the pool and she said no you can go by the pool why one why wasn't she paying more attention to her children who she knows are not necessarily bad kids but disruptive kids and i might have gotten a babysitter you know like bring just the baby and then the three boys because she's got two twins and then an, a single boy and then a baby too many children. I feel like babysitters are off the table for Lynette uh, and those kids. That's true. What is Parker, Preston, and Porter? And Penny. Are unbabysittable. Yeah, I would agree with that. It would be very hard. I only have one kid, and I am tired. And my <laughs> husband also works a camp job. I can't imagine having three children and a baby. That's too much. 
also getting dressed for a funeral. I don't know if I did that alone at that age. No, I, my daughter, she's eight years old. Well, she'll be eight in April and she still asks me to help her get dressed. And I have like right. systems for her to choose her own clothes and stuff. And I'm like, and she does often, but <laughs> yeah. there are still days where she's like, yeah, can you find me all of these clothes that are already in my room? And so I imagine like, yeah, she's probably run off her feet and then they do a scene in her house and it's clean. So good on you, Lynette. No wonder she's so stressed out. Yeah, she's like keeping up to the Brie standard in in the cleanliness department. As far as we can tell so far. As far as we can tell, yeah. There's probably (laughs) some things that we can't, that we don't know. Yeah. Uh, We are then introduced to Gabby and Carlos, who are also coming to the wedding or to the funeral. And they're just fighting with each other about money, about their garden. Honestly, they are the worst rich couple stereotype. And at this point, I am rooting for their divorce. Carlos is in mergers and acquisitions. And I only remembered that because it just stuck out to me. It's like, that is such a 2004 prestige job. Before the recession, before (laughs) (laughs) this man is bringing in like, I don't know, six figures and he's letting everybody know. And he's making sure that Gabrielle lets everybody know. They constantly say how expensive a thing is. Yeah. They're like, oh, this necklace was this much. This dress was this much. And he also uses it as um, a pawn to control her. Like, I would say Carlos is abusive and Gabrielle is manipulative. Like, they're just a very toxic couple. All the couples are toxic. Yeah, no, I I would say none of the couples are actually, like, good for each other. I would say no one is couples' goals. No one. No, no. At least not yet. Maybe someone else would. We are then introduced to Brie, who brings two baskets of muffins. I want to try muffins from Brie really badly, but I think that she would be the worst person to be neighbors with. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She would be bothering you about your leaves on the lawn, about cutting the grass, and you know she's going to be hounding you like daily for those baskets back. There's no reprieve. She's just going to be there constantly. I think, yeah, I think her baking is probably really good. You see her kids, they look a little bit stressed out, but you don't really see much more from Brie or her family at the funeral. Um, What we do get a lot of is Susan knowingly giving everyone food poisoning. And uh, (laughs) a history of her problems with macaroni cheese, macaroni and cheese. This is, I think, where we see, like, okay, Susan is going to be the main character of this show because she's the only one that really got, like, a long background of, like, this is Susan, and she made macaroni cheese this many times when her husband was leaving her. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the problem is the macaroni and cheese. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, Susan. (laughs) Uh, She immediately is, again, being best friends to her kids and badmouths her ex's partner but her daughter her daughter does it anyway there's a memory cutaway it's all about susan uh and how 
All of her friends were making her feel better after her divorce. Carl's secretary, I wrote down Carl's secretary pulling an Ariana Grande. She came for dinner, met the family. Oh, I don't get that reference. You don't get it? Okay, so Ariana Grande. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. Uh, Ariana Grande's current partner, uh, they met during filming of Wicked, and he left his wife for her. Oh. But there was a little bit of overlap on the relationships. And Ariana had gone to their house for dinner and held their newborn baby while talking to the wife, being like, I'm so ready to start a family. I'm so jealous of like what you've got and what you've made for yourself here. And then like a month later was uh fucking her husband. So was a stepmom. Was is now a stepmom. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, Carl's secretary pulled an Ariana Grande because Susan was like, I made her dinner. She came over. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. This is a tough spot to be in. Uh, this memory cutaway brings us to learn more about at least three of the housewives where we learn Bree is in the NRA because she thinks that having guns in the house will keep her husband in line when he goes to medical conferences. I feel like I get what they're trying to do with Bree and they're like gender swapping this like menacing, abusive husband. Yes. Yeah. But she's also weirdly so granola. Like if you strip away the kind of like emotionlessness. Yeah. She's reupholstering furniture. She's sewing she's baking she's gardening she's living <laughs> off the land she is and she's making every single thing from scratch there is no processed food in her house yeah like if you asked brie for a bag of chips she would cut the potatoes for you and make you like kettle chips oh what a dream i know i know with salt that she mined herself yeah or she like sea salt she went to the ocean and like <laughs> made it herself uh we learn that lynette again complaining about her children and says that she wishes her husband was sleeping with someone else which is a weird thing to say to your friend going through a divorce yes right she was like haha i wish my husband would fuck around on me what like your friend literally is crying about your her partner having an affair and you're like, yeah, it would be nice if my husband did that. You should be so lucky that you're like just shattered right now. <laughs> just <laughs> imagine me. Imagine me having a husband who loves me so much. My life is terrible, Susan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we discover that Mary Alice is the heart of the group. Uh giving us basically the quote of God gives his strongest <laughs> soldiers their toughest battles. Ironic that she could not handle her own battles. Wow. Yeah. Tough love from Mary. Tough love for me. I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> she didn't even try. Like, she just got a letter and was like, you know what? Immediately death. They do, yeah, nobody's ultra-sympathetic, I think. They're, like, more, like, morbidly curious. But, like, even yeah. Susan, I think at one point, Julie asks, why do people kill themselves? 
Susan's just like they they give up. Yeah. Or no, what no, she's she's more tactful. It's like uh, there's some sometimes they have too much pain that they think that's the only way out or something. I guess there's a lot of compassion in that, but kind of. I don't know. I don't think anyone is very super sad that she's gone. Um, We move into Susan meeting Mike, where she, again, is like, hey, don't eat that food that I brought. Why did you bring it? If you're going to warn people to not eat it, why did you bring it to a wake? It's all about appearances in in the suburbs. That's true. She meets Mike. And he says that he just moved in. Why is a stranger coming to a woman's wake? You just moved in. You don't know this woman. I can't remember if he was wearing black. Maybe he just thought it was like a block party and he just like wandered over. That would be so embarrassing, but it's definitely, definitely what's in my head now. That would be the second most embarrassing thing to happen at that funeral. After, after Lynette's kids. And at least this one wasn't so public. But yeah, he just is there. And she's like, who are you? And he goes, I just moved in. Why are you at this funeral, sir? That makes me uncomfortable. And why isn't my husband, who is a presumably close personal friend, maybe we've had some family, some game nights, some double dates with Mary Alice and Paul. My husband's not here. Yeah. Wait, no, I'm thinking of Lynette. (laughs) Yeah, Lynette's husband was away at work. Susan is divorced. This man, Mike, immediately offers to fix her pipes, if you know what I mean. Um, oh. Again, at a wake, a very, he's just given strange vibes right away. He's new to the neighborhood. He's got to feel the vibe out. Maybe that was the vibe of his old neighborhood. They just talked in double entendres. He's like a pizza pizza delivery guy lived above him and mechanic live below them and they're just like ah yeah we can fix it deliver anything if you know what i mean you know what i would let mike fix my pipes he's a handsome man and that accent my god yeah i feel like he could he would look so good holding a guitar oh yeah i could see that that's your type then rock and roll Susan gets mad at Edie because she is also showing up at Mike's house for the first time. Again, no one's been to his house at the neighbor, like in the neighborhood, but he's still going to awake. Yeah. Uh, but Edie is a slut for doing the same thing that Susan is doing, which is hilarious. I think it's because Edie is dresses like it's a beach town. I think is yeah is part of uh, what what everybody's hung up on. That's true. That's true. Maybe it is a beach uh, town. I've never seen them go to the beach, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Um, we discover that Gabby is having a quote unquote affair with her gardener, who is 16 years old. Uh, at some point she's smoking and he says, Can I have a drag? And she says, You're too young. Sorry, too young to smoke, but not too young to uh, have a relationship with. To consent to to sex. He asks her some big questions, so you can tell that he's a 16-year-old affair partner. Uh, why did you marry your husband? Do you love him? And why are we doing this? 
Gabby then says, because she doesn't want to blow her brains out in a few years, to which I say, Mary Alice didn't kill herself because she didn't bang underage teens. Yeah. There's a lot of projecting going on there. (laughs) There's a a lot. Rex asks Brie for a divorce in a themed restaurant, which is ballsy, I would say. Yeah. Uh, And then Brie makes him a salad where she accidentally puts onions on it. And he's allergic to them. Is it Miss Hoover that comes up and distracts her? It is, yeah. Asking (laughs) her about what's going on. And she's like, everything's great. Uh, Rex is anaphylactic allergic to onions, which while I'm not anaphylactic, I am allergic to onions and so high-key relatable. Oh, shit. Yeah, high-key relatable. I would also not be put in the hospital, but I would also be upset if someone put onions in my salad. Paul Young is discovered by his son digging in the pool in the middle of the night. Doesn't seem to care his son finds him. Zach is like, oh, okay, I guess this is the new normal. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay, my mom killed herself, and now my dad is wrecking our fancy pool. Yeah, it's like, okay, what did those Scavo boys do to that pool? (laughs) They shit in it. (laughs) They shit in the pool. It's unusable now. (laughs) It's got to be decommissioned. (laughs) uh tom finally comes home uh and suggests that they have sex without any precautions because it's to risk it to which lynette punches him in the face yeah that valid very yeah very mixed feelings about that punch in the face it's like yeah that is a ridiculous request tom is making yeah and a dangerous one it it needs a they got four kids yeah it, it deserves a response it does. It does. Uh, Rex in the hospital, he tells Gabby that, or not Gabby, he tells uh, Bree that she is unavailable and emotionally distant. She cries in the bathroom and makes herself perfect before coming out again. I want to say that is relatable. <laughs> Crying in the bathroom and then coming out as if nothing ever happened. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, too, have worked customer service, so, yeah. Um, Gabby and Carlos go to a party. She leaves the party early to cut the lawn that her underage affair partner didn't cut for her. And I've written down, gaslight by a thousand grass cuts. (laughs) Yeah. God bless Carlos for getting down on his knees like two times to yeah to suss out the situation of the grass and and noticing it. he was grass cutting is so important to him that he noticed immediately that it wasn't getting cut i don't think i would notice if my grass was getting cut or not not like that i be honest i do landscaping i have cut a fair number of lawns in my day and first of all nighttime not optimal not optimal. Because uh, then you can't see the lines. You're not going to get nice, perfect lines. Maybe Carlos doesn't care about that. He just he cares, just cares that it feels like it was cut. Yeah. Uh, and then the speed run through the end. Susan discovers Edie is having a sleepover with a man, and she immediately suspects it. My, it's Mike. She goes over to her house to borrow a cup of sugar, but lets herself in and starts a fire. She tries to throw a glass of wine on the fire and it explodes. To which I'm asking is like, is it Aperol spritz? What's in that wine glass? Why did it? 
I've never seen wine catch fire that way. It was jet fuel. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Then she straight up runs away from a crime scene. And she burned down this house for no reason because it turns out Mike was never there at all. But she was going to leave him to die if he had been. Yeah, she was. She was full on going to leave him to die. Uh, Whatever. The women, the, the girls help clean up Mary Alice's house for Paul, where Gabby brings up that Mary Alice lied about her size, which is a weird flex on a dead woman. Oh, my God. Yeah. But also very in character for Gabby. Very in character. That's true. Uh, but also still, yeah, not a a nice moment to make that comment. No, it's very strange. Never a good time. Yeah. Uh, they find a note that uh, was allegedly delivered the same day that Mary Alice killed herself. Uh, why didn't she burn it or shred it? If it was so important to keep it hidden, but she just put it away with her clothes. Maybe she wanted to keep it. So when she goes and finds out who sent it, she just throw it in their face and be like, get it. But she killed herself on the same day. Oh, right. Right. Maybe she wanted Paul to find it. But again, that doesn't make any sense. And then that's the end of the episode. And I've never seen a neighborhood that busy in my life. They like pan out and it's the neighborhood and everyone's walking around and it's like 30 people all on one street. Yeah, there's what walkable city is this? It's the dream. It's the American dream. I suppose so. But that's the end of the episode. So that's 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 insane. But yeah, so the big things that happened. Susan burned down someone's house. Great. Mary Alice killed herself. Uh, Paul Young has a secret mystery trunk. Susan and Edie want the same man, and I will die on this hill. Gabby is a predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good hill to die on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the hill. That's the hill. Yeah, I hope the other housewives find out about it and condemn her. They have a strong reaction to it. I don't know though, because it is two thousand four. So 2004 was... and it's a boy not a girl like if it was a girl yeah people would be like i'm so upset like if tom was having an affair with a teenager he would be written out of the tv show but gabby's a main character and i just feel like they're gonna they're just gonna let that slide thank you guys for listening to our uh podcast we hope you'll join us next week for episode two you can watch along with us and send us your thoughts on the episode of the podcast don't forget to rate subscribe and share brett where can we find you outside of the podcast outside of the podcast i'm on instagram at brett mccrindle that'll be the easiest and best way to get at me the easiest and best way uh you everyone can find me at mary was forden on tiktok and instagram thank you guys once again for watching and we hope that you'll be back next week with us thank you bye bye